uh, Mike Dunnigan here from Gilmore Global, and today is another edition of our Global View podcast series, and I'm super excited to, uh, to have a guest today with extensive experience in the standard developer organization of the SDO market, uh, both as a leader with the org- organizations where she's worked, but also with the work with the Society of Standards Professionals, SES. So I've done previously did a podcast with uh, Mike Morrell from SES, so who who Millie, who you're going to introduce you to in a second, knows quite well. Um, so I'd like to uh, int- introduce and welcome Millie Washington. I'm going to read your title, Standards Director, Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC. I'm reading that because I didn't want to mess it up. But uh, welcome, Millie. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Mike. Yes, IICRC is definitely a mouthful. There are times when I'm asked who I work for, and I'm like, give me a second. I have to think about it, and then I'll give the right answer. <laughs> yeah, when you have Thank to put a hinge on me. your... If you have a business card and you actually have to have a hinge on it to put the company name, you know it's fairly long. Could you give the folks watching and listening a little bit of a snapshot of what IICRC does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we are a global nonprofit organization um, catering to the cleaning, restoration, and inspection industries. What that really means is, you know, things like fire and smoke restoration, uh, water damage restoration, mold damaged structures and the remediation of those structures, crime and trauma scene cleanup. So um, a really wide range of things that we cover in terms of our standards. So we are an ANSI accredited standards developing organization and we have uh, upwards of 20 standards and field guides that are either currently in development or have been published as American national standards. Um, and then we have more than 25 certifications and some of them are based on the standards and some of them are based on general good practice, best practices in the industry. Um, as I mentioned, we're a global organization. We have upwards of 60,000 certified technicians who are certified mm. in the various programs that we offer. And uh, we have 6,000 plus certified firms who then employ the certified technicians. So you know, standards and certification is the bulk of what we do, of which the foundation is the standards. So I'm proud to uh, say that, you know, uh, our standards team, the volunteers, the staff, all of our subject matter experts are um, the most, you know, valuable part of that overall structure that we have. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, our standards are considered credible and um, really, you know, the best available in the industry. They are followed in many countries, including the UK and Japan and Australia. And uh, we're looking to, you know, broaden that. And where our standards program is growing as is certifications and as an organization, we're certainly continuing to grow despite the challenges that, you know, we all face globally. Mm-hmm. Well, we met very briefly uh, in 2019, I attended the SES uh, Annual General Conference, which was in Montreal, which is a fantastic city. And then, um, and you spoke at that event and you were, you rocked it, you were fantastic. And then last fall, uh, SES did their conference virtually because of obviously the classic elephant in the corner, uh, AKA the pandemic. Um, and you and you provide some fantastic content there. So I was really keen to get to actually have an opportunity to talk, you, talk to you today and, and get a little bit more insight about your views in the SDO market. What do you think are the things or what have you seen in regards to this pandemic that have directly affected the SDO market? What are you you seeing as the sort of the reactionary or the inevitable changes that are hitting it right now? 
The pandemic is challenging on so many levels just because we are unable to get together and work on different things that we might have had to um, had the, uh, I guess, the luxury. Now it feels like, oh, that was, those were, you know, great times when we could get on a plane and go sit in a meeting and discuss, you know, the contents of the standard and wrap up a section and, you know, really be able to accomplish a lot. That being said, you know, I, I think a lot of standards developers are finding new and, and different ways of doing things so that we are able to continue to put out good content and continue to stay productive. For IICRC, um, and for SES and a lot of other SDOs, a lot of our work does get done virtually. So we are, yeah. you know, we ha- we've been doing this for a while, but now we've had to think about, okay, we don't have the option to do a blended virtual and in-person type of, uh, you know, meeting structure so that we can be the most effective. So we're trying to be, to leverage the technologies that are available to us, just as everyone else is, you know, things like Zoom and things like Microsoft Teams so that we're mm-hmm. able to continue working. Um, we also internally at IICRC use an, um, like a secure online workspace so that uh, the work of all of our standards committees can continue without any kind of pause or interruptions. So we have document control, we have balloting, we have uh, pretty much all of the functioning of an active consensus body handled online. Um, so we're able to sort of bypass some of it, but you know, I, there's fatigue, there's pandemic fatigue. People yeah, want to meet, you know, we typically have an annual standard summit, uh, which is hosted at our headquarters in Las Vegas. And it's just a fun event. It's very productive. What, fun in Las Vegas? What? <laughs> I do. I, I, yeah, yes. I mean, I typically get to go to Vegas a few times a year and, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, there's work and then we get to enjoy a little bit. Um, so I think what's happened as with the schools and the kids and the universities is the, the, the learning and the working and the productivity is somehow being maintained or close to being maintained. But the fun aspects of everything that we do is stripped mm-hmm. away from it. You know, it's just taken out. We don't get to any longer sit at a dinner table and just say, oh, we had a great productive day. And let's just chill, you know, let's just enjoy each other's company and be able to just kind of get to know each other or, um, or, or people that we know really well to be able to reconnect with them. We don't have those luxuries. So some of the things that we're doing, and I know other organizations like SES and other standards developing organizations are doing is doing more virtual content, you know, providing content in different ways to our stakeholders. Um, and then doing little things like happy hours, you know, every other week or once a month, do a happy hour, be able to see each other, maybe raise a glass, you know, it's not yeah. the same, but it'll do for now, you know, we're just trying to stay safe and healthy till we can all meet again and uh, cheers. Well, it's funny, I'm going to ask you a, a serious question, but right before we started recording today, we were just chatting. And, you know, sort of on my shoulders, a couple of guitars there, and I was saying how I do, I've had a few sessions with my team where I'll We'll have a virtual sort of a end of week decompression session and they usually end when I try to sing. So playing's okay. As soon as I sing, everyone's like, oh, well, I gotta go, Mike. I gotta get the kids and uh, yeah, we're done. So that's consistent. Um, do you I, I think that- that's fun. I, I think we should all be finding ways to do that, you know, with family, oh. with colleagues, with just different ways to connect and music is the universal healer. I mean, there's nothing better, is there? 
Well, you haven't heard me play, so we'll leave that alone. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, do you notice a difference? Like, uh, SDOs do, do, the work that SDOs do is incredibly important, and most people don't see it every day, but everything they touch and everything they do and almost everything they buy, in one way, shape, or form was affected by some developer, development team that realizes a need, or whether it has to do with protection or cleaning or safety of product, whatever the case may be. But now that you've been forced for lack of a better term, to change the way that you, you know, have your certification courses. Have you seen a difference as far as generational uh, folks? Like when you have, when you go from a, you know, I've got a gen, couple of gen, uh, gen Zs at home, uh, but they're a little more adaptive to digital content uh, yeah. um, uh, absorption versus say a traditionalist or a baby boomer or, or a gen X. So have you, have you had to adapt that or have you seen any pushback or challenges or issues as far as who's taking your courses or like a dip and then just people saying, you know what, I'm going to hold off. Has that affected you? Um, so Mike, I will say that I am, <laughs> not in those categories that you mentioned, but I feel like that, you know, I feel like I don't want to read a 120 page document, certainly don't want to read it in hard copy, because then if I need to find something, I cannot find it other than reading the it cover to cover, which is, you know, not practical, not always an option, especially for someone who's on site, who's doing a job or who needs access to information quickly. Um, and so that that's not quite the Gen X, Gen Z conversation, but it is, you know, access to information, providing it in formats that are usable, uh, that have a, a very comfortable user interface that where you can, you know, just get exactly what you want when you want it and possibly for information to be provided in smaller snippets. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been talking about this for a while and we've made some efforts towards that. Um, so IICRC, for example, we have a standard subscription site, which not only gives you online access to everything we've ever written, current and historical um, in terms of our standards, but then there are videos and there are instructional sort of demos for how to do certain things or how a particular standard has changed or what to look out for. That Those are not uh, in any way alternatives to buying an actual standard, but it certainly is our way of saying, well, here's the same information presented to you differently. And in smaller segments, we use to write these massive standards and reference guides and publish them as combined documents. We no longer do that because A, it takes way too long. Our volunteers get burnt out and who is going to read 300 pages to get to the information that they need on a particular day, right? Um, so urgent. videos. Exactly. I mean, and there are times when, uh, you know, you want to find things or you want to provide that as evidence in a, in a courtroom based on what a standard says. So it's not practical to lug a book around. So we're doing what we can to be able to provide that information in different ways to be able to, you know, just as you're doing a podcast, right? I mean, I yeah. think it's a perfect example of putting together content and presenting it in a, a way that, you know, you can look at a video link and say, okay, that's five minutes. I think I can do that, you know, or, yeah. or it's just presented in a fun, informative, visual way, which I'm very much a fan of. I think we all learn better when it's visual, audiovisual aspects to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not all of it is practical to do that way, but to the extent possible, um, SDOs are starting to look at that. We certainly have, for example, and this is 
you know, just our standards themselves. We have more images, we have more links, and they're more interactive so that you can get to different mm -hmm. sections easily. You know, you can look at the table of contents and just click on the safety and health section if that's what you're interested in, you yeah. know. Um, so little ways and, uh, you know, I think the pandemic in some ways is a blessing in disguise because we've been forced to pivot and make some changes and relook at things that we've done for a long time and say, you know, is there a better way to do that and to provide that information? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. One of the things that we've noticed, just it's not about us, but just as a, as a little nugget to go into that, that mindset of, um, well, the term I like to use is easily digestible. People like easily digestible content. They don't want to eat the entire steak, right? Just give them a little right. snack and they can, and then they can sort of consume it as they want. One of the things that we've seen as a, a real hot button right now is usage analytics because mo in most traditional cases and particularly with digital delivery of content and obviously with hard copy delivery of content, it's kind of like we, uh, my joke, I used this in a presentation the other, the other day, it's the I love you that doesn't come back, right? You, you don't know if somebody's liking or what, but then, so what we're doing now is we've put some technology in where we do those programs, we can actually give our clients uh, usage analytics on the content. What are they looking at? How long are they spending, et cetera, et cetera, without having to um, spend a lot of time and money developing very customized content. We can actually apply these tools to PDF content that, with all kinds of cool stuff. So that's a definitely something that's a trend big time. But one of the questions I was going to ask you actually was, you're always ahead of me. How do you do that? You're always one step I'm ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. I just have a fun. Um, but, but it was around, there's the pandemic's in a weird way, and I'm you know, taking that very lightly, a, a blessing disguise in terms of, um, giving a nudge to companies to move forward in the way they do things. And the question I was going to ask you is of those things, which, what are the, what are the changes that you were forced to do that you you're going to adopt? That's, that's part of our permanent process process going forward is definitely something that's going to benefit the organization. Is there one or two or just one thing you go, that's definitely something we were forced to change and we like it and we're going to keep doing it and, and let it evolve. The biggest um, change that IICRC has made as an organization is to finally take the plunge towards online learning and to provide um, our content in, in that digital format. So uh, we've been, as an organization, the board and the staff, we've been talking about it for a long time because, you know, it's the way to go. There is no escaping that, right? I mean, you have to be able to, when you're doing standards and certifications and you have schools that you approve and you have certified technicians that have to go through a learning process and then a testing process, We've been able to do all of that with in-person teaching, in-person testing, um, and you know, just kind of doing it that way and being very effective um, in our uh, delivery. I'm sorry. I love it. German Shepherd, he lives here with me. <laughs> my, uh, my, um, eight, my eight pound dog wouldn't show up on the camera because he usually sits behind me on the chair, but that's okay, okay. <laughs> he's there somewhere. Um, so, so, you know, I think with the pandemic, our instructors no longer were able to get on a plane and teach a four days a week class in a different city and then hop from city to city. That's no longer an option. Um, and so it was sort of, okay, we're forced. We've been thinking about it. We've been talking about it. Now is the time for action. And so we just recently launched our first few courses of online learning 
Um, and it, it, it doesn't come without challenges, especially for an industry like ours, where, you know, hands-on learning is a very critical aspect of how you do the restoration work. If you've never done it, but you've taken a test, you know, how effective is that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've done a water restoration technician um, certification in my early days with IICRC because I was like, you know, I want to learn more about it and I want to do this test. And it was a three-day course. And then I did the test and I aced it and it was all lovely, but I could not come to your house and fix a water damage problem. Okay. There's just no way. I don't know anything about that. Um, just by osmosis, but nothing more than that. Um, so despite the challenges, that is definitely the direction that we're going um, towards as an organization. We've started with the online learning and we want to kind of take it a step further where it is um, student led, you know, where it's not instructor led, but student led. And so we're exploring uh, those areas so that we can expand um, and really, you know, be able to reach a much wider uh, group of people. You know, we don't have to be limited geographically if we can do some of the, these things using digital tools, Great using point. online learning. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think win-win, right? More people have access to it. More people get certified. More people do things the right way. And then we get to grow and be able to use our standards more globally, more, um, you know, harmonized way. Because, you know, there's this, um, there's this joke that standards developers say to each other, oh, there are, you know, 14 standards in the industry. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? You know, uh, let's create another one. So now there's 15 standards, right? Yeah. So. Uh, the idea should be exactly the opposite of that. How do we harmonize those 14 standards that exist instead of creating new ones? And so, uh, you know, we're looking to do some of that through our online learning. We're looking to do some of that through international adoptions of our standards. So we're exploring those things that, you know, are really outside of our um, brick and mortar building, right? It's outside mm -hmm. of Vegas. It's outside of even the U.S. And uh, the relevance is global, so we should be able to use the same procedures and methods to do restoration, remediation, inspection work around the world. And by the way, you can't develop anything in Vegas because it has to stay in Vegas, right? Absolutely, yes. Sorry, that's probably a use of time. One of the questions I actually was, I think you kind of, again, you're ahead of me, was talking about, you know, if you could look ahead in the future in three and five years and, and uh, one of the some of the key changes that you think would be in place in regards to your standards and your certification programs. And I'm assuming some of it, or a lot of that answer is around the, the virtual learning environment and becoming much more of a global organization in that regard. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I, my answer is exactly the same. You're right. It's, it's mm -hmm. more globally relevant content. It's more reach and it's more standardization. You know, that's the goal of any standards developing organization is how do we get more people to do things in the same way so that it's more effective, it's more cost effective too. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. just a matter of doing things right, but how do you minimize the cost incurred because you're doing it right? And because then, you know, the, um, the lawsuits and all the other complications that come with it can be minimized. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that's what it is. It's that, that growth, that global reach, um, that um, sort of blurring the boundaries of, uh, you know, geographical boundaries and being able to reach more people um, around the world. I mean, there are really just a handful of countries that follow standards in this particular industry. And we would love should. to see that. They all should, exactly. Yeah. Because the, 
you know, the concerns are the same, the issues are the same, the mm -hmm. uh, customer uh, complaints are the same. So, so the, the market is, you know, it's huge. Um, and our hope is to be able to do more to reach more people in other countries and uh, for our standards to be more, um, you know, internationally adopted. Uh, so we definitely do try to make an effort to you know, globalize our terms, what we use and how we use it so that it isn't very restricted to the US or to mm -hmm. Canada, you know, but uh, more global terms. Uh, so it's a process and I'm sure it'll take time, but three to five years, Mike. Three to five years, yeah. Hold on, I gotta set my timer on my phone. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's okay, so <laughs> that's a lot of heavy questions on a Friday. Dog's bored out of his head. So let's have a let's have a little bit of fun to close this off. Okay. I put yeah. I made some notes. I'm looking at my notes right here. Um, all right, this is the let's get to know Millie. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Let's do it. Lightning around, what's your favorite food? Okay, so there's a complicated answer to that. Oh god, here we go. Oh relax. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make yourself comfortable because it's gonna take a minute. Okay. Yeah. So I'm from India. I grew up in India. I came to the US for graduate school, but I grew up in India. And in India, when you eat Chinese food, it's really Indian Chinese. So okay. it's a blend where there are Indian spices used in Chinese food and it's nothing like American Chinese. And it's also nothing like authentic Chinese Chinese because I've lived in China. So I know there's okay. the difference between all of these different things. But the Chinese food in India is delicious and I dream about it. So that's my favorite food. Okay, that's a, probably <laughs> the best answer you've had to that question so far. Okay, now <laughs> tying into that, what's your favorite restaurant in the world? Where you've been? Oh, that's a tough one, Mike. So many good ones. Um, but I'm going to stick with, you know, I'm going to stay consistent with my answer and say just about any restaurant that will serve me Indian Chinese, I will, I will drive hours to get to it and have a good meal. I'm you know, when we're done, I'm going to be on YouTube looking at Indian Chinese food uh, things to see what it's like. I love to cook. My wife and I are we're foodies. We love to cook. Oh, yes. So yes. The, the more aromatic the house is, the better in my, my Exactly. Opinion. Um, yeah, we're on the same page. Oh, I love it. Uh, favorite location to visit in the world globally for work and or vacation? Once we get um, to travel again. I don't mean to your kitchen when you walk down the hall, like actual travel. You're right. You know, that's a bit of a painful question to answer because I'm like, oh, I have so many places I want to go to, but I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I, okay, I don't know because I've never been, but <clears throat> excuse me, I would love to go to Bali, Indonesia mm. and just spend two weeks there. So that's right now on my bucket list. It'll happen. I don't know when, but uh, Bali. That sounds fantastic. And what's yeah. your favorite hobby? Oh, that one's easy. Dance, 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 dance. Did I say it enough times, Dan? That's good. Yeah, I'll play. I'll play the guitar. You don't want to see me dance. Um, what's? I'm looking at my notes. What's one of the most unique things you've ever done? That's hard. I've done a lot of uh, unique and interesting things, but I'm trying to think back to my most recent visit to the beach, and we did some paragliding. So I'm going to put that down as very well. nice. That's fine. Yeah, you know, a little scary, I'm still, but, but alive. So. Yes, I was, uh, I'm, I have to do things because I have to keep up with these kids that I have, you know, I can't, I can't come across as, well, mommy's too scared. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on that thing and do it. So yeah, I did and it. pretend and, you're not scared. That's the most important yeah, part. Exactly. Um, favorite band and last song you listen to on your playlist? 
Oh, uh, favorite band, I would have to say my husband's band. He's a jazz pianist. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, and love it. Yeah, jazz. I mean, I, I'm, I, my taste is very eclectic. I like it all. Um, but I'd say he's my favorite band, also my favorite musician, also my favorite husband at the moment. <laughs> I know, so right. disgusting. <laughs> That's just way too easy. I'm giving you, you're getting, you've gotten a lot of points so far, but you're not getting any points for that answer. Oh, I'm so sorry, oh. but I'm sticking with it. Mike. That's good. That's it. You know what? It's like, so I love to play the blues. And my son is very, very good in music. He always says, you know why you play the blues, Dad? Why? He goes, because you're not good enough for jazz. Oh, <laughs> That's what he likes burn. to say. Oh, no. jazz. He plays bass and guitar, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so what's your point? Um, <laughs> the biggest question, I wrote this down, I just jotted this down, because every um, conversation I have with friends lately, when we've done a few family Zoom events, et cetera, et cetera, is everyone's, what are you watching now? What are you, like, what's Netflix or or here we have Crave, or if you've got Prime, Disney, like what, what, what show are you watching? So uh, I only get 30 minutes a day to watch anything because the rest of my time is for my kids. So when I'm on the treadmill is when I watch. Mm -hmm. And um, I am a diehard Law & Order Special Victims Unit fan. I mean, diehard. I will, you know, I've been known to tell my kids to disappear when that show is on. Because really? is, that, is that because they're all IICRC trained for this crime scene cleaning? During oh, this? No, <laughs> they should be, though. <laughs> they should. Make a note. Make a call. Last question. Yeah. When everything just does this in the world, and we can get back to being the new normal, what's the one, the first thing you're most looking forward to doing that you can't, safely or legally do today? Well, I would love, there's, the list is long, Mike. One mm -hmm. thing, you want me to say one thing? Um, step. I would love to book uh, air tickets to go somewhere far away <laughs> for uh, longer than a week. I'm thinking maybe to go to India and see my brother and his new house, you know, I don't know. The list is long though. I would, anything, I'd go eat at a restaurant and uh, any restaurant and be happy, you know? Good, yeah, all good answers. You get all the points back. I, I, I put those points back, so you're getting all your points, so. I'm glad, <laughs> what I a mean, relief. When, when my kids were little, every time they did something, I'd say, uh, I'd say, Jack, good job, buddy, like nine points, and he's like, yes! And then I would say, oh. he'd do something the next day, I'd say, uh, Haley, that was, that was seven or and he, why seven? I should have get, uh, he got nine and we joke around and then we're like, dad, what are the points for? I went, I don't know. Oh, that's Nothing. funny. I'm going to try that. I'm going to see if I have any success with that. I'm dead try. serious look though. Points. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we're done. I love it. That was fun. I expected it to be, but it was fun. And I'm just, you know, I think it was perfect. We did it on a Friday. Don't you think Mike? I was absolutely, I'm giving myself points for the uh, scheduling. <laughs> That was great. Okay.